Get the new Donkey Kong 64 bundle with the banana yellow game pack and the new Jungle Green N64 console. It's got a Jungle Green controller and comes with the N64 expansion pack. The Donkey Kong 64 bundle. It's more fun than a bunch of baboons with a bundle of bananas. World. We won't go in one direction or see where we can set. We will walk through walls. We will take a look around us. We will not be confined. We believe in the path of least limits. We won't be told how to view the world. We will experience true freedom. We will not compromise. We will live the game through our hands. We will be in control of something. We will change the system. Change the system. It's Ferret 64 with your host, Yemi the Ferret. Hello and welcome to another episode of Ferret 64 with me, your host, Yemi the Ferret, a.k.a. Yemi. Alright. Um... Welcome in. Uh, I'm planning on making this the best Ferret 64 episode ever. All right, that is that is uh, my promise to you. This is going to be the best Ferret 64 episode thus far. I should say. Let me correct myself. Thus far, not ever, because we can still top ourselves. Okay. Okay. Oh, my gain was way up. All right. Now, now, now officially, is going to be. The best episode of Ferris 64 yet. And you know what? You know what? We're going to skip doing the what have I played this past week until after the news. That's right. We're switching things up this week because there was a good amount of juicy stories to talk about. Okay. And I think the biggest thing to come out so far this past week was the Nintendo Switch OLED model. That's right. There's a new model of the Switch on the way. It has a better screen, an Ethernet port. <laughs> okay, but in all seriousness, it is a new model. The Switch is a different color. It's like a creamy white kind of thing, or like a grayish, I should say. Um, new Joy-Cons coming out with it, but they are not improved from the old style of Joy-Cons. So if you're afraid of, you know, Joy-Con drift, that could still be a thing. So... What's the specs on this new merchandise? Well, it's got a 7-inch screen, uh, which is uh, about an inch or so bigger than the 6.2-inch LCD screen on the standard console. Now, you might be asking yourselves, what is OLED? It's pretty much just a better screen, honestly. Um... It's supposed to make the colors pop a little bit better. People who have OLED um, uh, TVs uh, really say that it, it does a lot, a, a big difference. It, it's a huge difference to like a normal screen. And so here's here's why OLED is better than LCD, according to uh, this article from Nintendo Life. Um, they said, simply put, OLED offers illumination on a per-pixel basis, meaning each pixel on the screen can be illuminated individually, compared to the LCD screens, which rely on illumination from larger backlights, which can result in light spill and dark areas of the screen that appear gray rather than black. So the OLED model will have deeper blacks, better contrast, and uh, a bit more vibrant looking. 
So, it's pretty much what I said before, except now it's confirmed. Okay. So, this is also good for people who, um, who may have, who, you know, who are in handheld mode and they, they, their eyes are straining from looking at the Switch. It can also help with that type of thing as well. Uh, a bigger screen, you know, it's, it's a little bit bigger, so, you know, you, you get more of a picture on the screen. It probably, it goes all the way to the edges now instead of having that black border around it, which is cool. It's also going to have a new wider kickstand. It kind of reminds me of the um, the Surface, the Windows Surface or Microsoft Surface laptop thingy with the with the stand that's like the completely back of the Switch, which is actually good and um, it looks good. It looks like it, it's 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 a really adjustable compared to the other uh, the standard model. So if you're looking for a better kickstand, there you go. Boom, bada bing. It 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 looks pretty good. Um, a lot of people are saying, you know, the upgrade should have been in the base model, and I agree, but here we are. Obviously, there were some things with the Switch that they... This is pretty much... This isn't like a Switch Pro, per se. It's more of like the... It's a more of like a Switch Plus, where it's like, hey, here's the revisions. You know, we're not ready to put new software inside of it, but we are ready to kind of improve some basic things about it. So, another thing that was enhanced was there's new all new built-in speakers on on it so it's going to have a better audio quality and then like i joked about before it has a uh, ethernet port on the dock um so now you can plug in with an ethernet cable which will help with online stuff now nintendo switch online is not that great to begin with but this could help you know some in some cases where it's a lot of multiplayer action going on, uh, it should help with that. And even with peer-to-peer connections, too, it should help as well. Um, that's, a, that's a pretty big thing. You know, the uh, old Switch model doesn't even have an Ethernet port. It just has HDMI. Uh, U2, uh, I think it's like two USB ports or something like that, and that's it. Um, and a USB-C port on the back, right? Not USB, but there's a USB-C. Ah, whatever. Anywho, this is the best episode of Ferret 64, Yummy. You can't be screwing up like this. All right, all right, I'm... I'm back in. I'm back in. There's a new design for the Switch dock, so um, it looks a little bit more rounded on the edges and stuff like that. It looks sleek, you know, and they are going to sell it separately, so if you want to buy the new dock but keep the old model, it'll work with the old model. And also, this this new Switch model has 64 gigabytes of internal storage, which is double the size of the standard model, which comes in at 32 gigabytes. So, obviously, there are a lot of people who are a little bit disappointed by this model, and um, I, I know why. It's because people hyped up this Switch Pro. There were tons of videos coming out almost every day of people going, this is it, this is it, the, the Pro is going to come out soon. And, like I said, I wouldn't call this a Switch Pro. I would just call this a Switch Plus. You know, it's like, it's a Switch. It's pretty much the same thing, except they've improved a few key aspects of it. But it's not exactly a pro model because they've they haven't changed anything with like the the the, the cpu or uh, anything else in in regards to the internals of the machine besides from giving it that better uh screen and the oled price is coming in at about 350 dollars in the uk it's going to be priced more around 300 pound and Honestly, I wish they would have called this like the Switch Plus or something like that because Switch OLED is quite a mouthful to say, you know. And I joked about this on YouTube uh, in the comment section of a few videos, and you know, people had varied responses to my sarcastic tone. Um, but for the most part, 
you know, it was like, yeah, whatever, you know, it is a bit of a mouthful, but most people are just going to call this the Switch, you know, but if you specifically want to mention, you know, oh, this looks great on an OLED model, it just comes off as a bit of a mouthful, right? That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. Call it the Switch Plus, call it the Switch OLED, call it just the Switch, whatever you choose. I would like to know which model you're talking about, though. So if you could call this Switch O, that's what I was I was I was joking about. Like you know how you know you know how it's like Steve O. You could call this Switch O. <laughs> you know maybe they don't want to be associated with uh, a guy who jumps off of buildings and bridges. But that's besides the point. Oh, and also gets slingshot into the air in a porta potty. But that's neither here nor there. Anyway, still I think if you haven't gotten a Switch yet, this is going to be the model that you're going to want to go to, gravitate towards. The the main reason why I won't be buying this, not only do I not, I don't really need another Switch, obviously, but the main reason is this is more of like a handheld update, and I'm not a big user of the handheld mode, only really when I'm getting work done on my car and I have to wait at the dealership, I have like an hour to kill, I'll bring, you know, I'll bring the Switch with me and pull out, you know, the, the Satisfy Grip and play it at the dealership. Uh, but other than that, I don't really use the switch out of its out of its uh, port, you know, out of its um, dock, you know. And even though the screen is nice, I'm probably not going to use it too much, right? I'm 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 probably just I'm I'm usually I just play it on the TV because that's where I play games. I like the portability of the switch. Don't get me wrong, I love the portability of the switch. But for me personally, I'm not like up out and about going on long car trips every weekend doing lots of things that require me to be, you know, playing a video game to, to pass time, you know, um, when I'm playing video games, it's at, it's at home, and, uh, you know, when I'm out, it's usually because I'm at work, <laughs> but obviously, if I do need to bring it somewhere, it's not like it's too big of a deal to me personally that it doesn't have the, new, you know, this OLED screen, and it's a little bit smaller, it's, it's not that big of a deal to me personally, and maybe in the future, when a pro version of this console does come out, I'm sure there will be one down the pipeline. It's only a matter of time now. Maybe then I'll think about upgrading to it so that I can at least... Cause I, you know, eventually I'll have two Switches in the household. I mean, why not? Um, but I don't think the OLED model is going to be the one that's going to be filling that slot. Just like the Switch Mini or whatever they call it was not going to fill that slot, this is also not going to fill that slot either. There are a lot of games coming out that I'm excited for with the Switch, but none of them are going to require me to play it in handheld mode. Moving right along, there was a state of play from Sony this past week. It was on Thursday, the 8th of July. And boy, oh boy, I actually really enjoyed this one. Now, I, I, I didn't really read any of the comments online about it. Um, I just know personally, from a personal standpoint, I enjoyed this a lot because it was more than just the one big reveal with a few small micro things here and there, like with the Ratchet & Clank one back a few months ago and the Horizon Zero Dawn one. Even though those were good and I really enjoyed those, something like this always catches my attention a little bit more because it's not just one solid block of something for 20 minutes. It was 10 minutes of Deathloop with a lot of other tw you know, things going on for about 15 or 20 minutes um, before that, which was a good format. I, I, I enjoyed it. If they do more state of plays like this, I would really like it. And to have those big reveals, like, you know, let's say the next one's going to be God of War gameplay. I'm not going to complain, you know, if it's 30 minutes of pure God of War gameplay and talk. Cool. I'm all for that. A hundred percent, 120% actually I'll go with that. Okay. 
but this was fun. It reminded me of like it, it reminded me more of like a, um, a Nintendo Direct, you know. And I do feel like that this is what they probably would have brought to E3. I mean, there's not a lot like huge things in here, right? But you know, something small that was 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 good. I enjoyed it. There was some nice reveals and some nice you know little little things sprinkled in here. Little trailer sprinkled in there. So let's go over it. So. Uh, I guess the first thing to talk about is that uh, Death Stranding's director's cut has got a release date. It's now coming out on the 24th of September. The trailer was actually pretty good for it. Um, they showed that there was going to be like um, like this shooting range and stuff like that. Uh, and I guess, I mean, I'm, I'm not saying that they're turning the game into more of a third-person shooter because obviously the game was already a third-person action game to begin with. Um but they also enhanced photo mode. They have a new weapon in there called the Mazer gun, which looks like a electric beam that attaches to someone. There's going to be mounted machine guns now. And there's a whole slew of, of different options in the firing range as well, as I said. Um, and then, of course, there's like the whole new, uh, what you would call, air area to, to go into that we already know about. And then also one of the bigger things too is that there's going to be additional delivery support, meaning there's going to be a, a cargo catapult. Uh, there's going to be a support skeleton to help carry heavier things, a buddy bot that you can have run along beside you or you can actually jump on it yourself. You can set up ramps for your motorcycle now, which can help get over gaps. Um, and there's also a new racing circuit where you race cars, uh, not the most interesting thing there. Anyway, you know, it does look like a director's cut version of the game. It looks like it's adding new things into it. That's nice. And remember, it does cost $10 extra to upgrade your addition to the, to the director's cut version um, from the PS4 version of the game. So... You know, I'm I'm I, you know I'm gonna play Death Stranding eventually. I played it a little bit. Uh, what was it two years ago that it came out now? And uh, I, you know, I played a little bit. I didn't have any complaints per se, but it was just kind of like an experience that I was like not ready for. I guess it was a lot of it was a lot of mindless walking and stuff like that. And I know as you go through the game, you get more stuff to make the hike easier. And I know that, but I just I didn't get there. And obviously, it's a long, it's a big game, right? It's a it's a big game um but yeah you know we'll uh we'll see uh, how that goes we'll see the fan response to it um and we'll go from there oh also um death strand this is just it wasn't a part of the state of play but i want to just add it here because we're already talking about death stranding they're bringing the pc exclusive stuff from cyberpunk and half-life to the ps5 uh you'll be able to complete more missions to get more gear uh so this will include Gordon Freeman's glasses, a logo hologram, and a wearable head crab for Half-Life. And for Cyberpunk, uh, I think you just have a skin for your motorcycle. Yeah, a reverse trike skin, a silver hand arm, and new holograms, and six bonus machine missions featuring inhabitants from Night City. So there you go. And, of course, the biggest thing from the state of play was nine minutes of Deathloop gameplay. Um, it... I mean, obviously, take this with a grain of salt because it is someone who developed the game and, and worked with the game and knows the game very well playing it. And, of course, they're moving a little bit slower than you probably would through these areas. Um, but they did a good job of showcasing a, a portion of the game and what exactly you can do with it. I mean, the, the most used gadget that they had was, like, this grenade that exploded when enemies got near it. 
um, kind of basic, but also, you know, useful in most situations. They showed off a lot of different guns and stuff like that, and it was really cool to see how the different guns kind of work around in the game. Uh, they showed that every time you die, you'll leave like a hologram or something behind where you can pick up your old weapons or discarded weapons. Uh, they also confirmed that uh, the person who is going to be controlling the, the, the person hunting you uh, is can be either AI controlled or a human counterpart. So I, I, that, that tells me that there's an offline mode to the game, which is a good thing. And it does have the versatility of Dishonored. You know, it, it's made by the same developers, and it looks super slick, and it definitely f looks like it's going to feel more like a Dishonored game than anything else. Then that is a good thing, because Dishonored had a had a really good and fun parkour system. Well, not parkour, but, you know, uh, system of climbing and stuff like that. So, And also, the, you know, there's a lot of details that are hidden around. Um, they, they focused on, you know, a, a, a certain conversation that was had by two NPCs who were standing around. They were talking about how there's, like, a back door into the party that you need to go to to kill this one guy who's dressed up as a wolf. And, of course, uh, there's probably even more things as well around that. Um... And yeah, I mean, it just you know, it looks kind of slick. Uh, I I think the gameplay was enjoyable enough to watch, and um, I do have it pre-ordered right now, so I'll be playing that hopefully day one. Well, you know, it depends on when it gets to gets to my abode, but you know, it, it looks like it's going to be an interesting concept. It looks like it might be a little frustrating at times too, just because you know if you die at the restart or whatever. But um, yeah, you know, I think it's going to be a, a fun time, and I'm excited to get around the plane at, um, in September. So if you want to check that out, that trailer, of course, is on PlayStation official website or YouTube channel, I should say. They revealed, it was one of the first things they revealed was uh, Moss. If you remember that game, it's a PSVR game. People liked it. I didn't play it myself, but people liked it. It is going to be a second game, Moss Book 2, or just Moss 2. And uh, they didn't show too much of the game off, but... You know, uh, it looks like there's some really good detailed things in the game. Like this giant, like, I don't know, it was like a giant metal skull or something like that. Now, like I said, I, I never played this, so I don't exactly know how it works or flows. But, you know, it looks like it's uh, intriguing enough. And uh, if you're a fan of the first game, you'll probably be a fan of this one. Um, and apparently it picks up right where the first game left off. So, you know, if you, if you played the first one, you're good to go for the second one. Uh, another game that kind of, it interested me a lot. It was called Jet the Far Shore. Now, I think they originally showed this off in a different state of play or some sort of, maybe it was the PS5 reveal event. I don't remember. Um, but this actually really intrigued me. Uh, it's, it's like this game where you fly around planets and you're trying to find resources and stuff like that. Um, it looks it looks pretty good. Uh, I was enjoying the gameplay. It was about a two, three minute kind of gameplay section. Um, well, not complete game, gameplay, but anyway, uh, they they showed off how you know you're not there to shoot and and kill things. You know, you got to use your tactics and stealth and stuff like that to evade danger and stuff. And um, it's more about researching the planet and seeing if it's hospitable for human life. The one thing that I did that did make me scratch my head was. When you're walking around as a human character, it's all in first person. Um, and I don't think that's a good idea for a game like this, where you kind of want to, I don't know, see the environment as you're walking through it. <laughs> but it does look interesting. Um, they said it's going to come in 2021. 
Of course, they didn't have like an actual set release date for it, so it might be late 2021 or it even might even go into 2022. And speaking of 2022... Saifu, which is the Kung Fu combat game that I've been really interested in, has been delayed until 2022. They revealed that at the end of the trailer. Um, they showed off a few more things about the game, like every time you get, you know, punk, you know, knocked out or whatever, you age like two years and, you know, you can get back into it. They showed that there's, you know, bigger enemies in the game who are a little bit more difficult to take down. Uh, they showed some more of the environments from the game. Um... But yeah, I'm 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 interested in it, and I'm I'm willing to wait a little bit longer for it. You know, I already have enough games coming out this year that I will be playing it at the end of the year. Like October is like a huge month for gaming this year. It's kind of crazy how many big things are coming out in like October, November-ish area. So I'm gonna be I'm gonna be playing a lot of games. So you know, I I don't mind that Saifu has been delayed. It is a game that I'm really interested in though. So I, I'm excited to see more of it in the future. They also showed that a game called Hunter's Arena Legends is coming to the PS5 and 4, and I believe it's coming in August, right? It's going to be a part of the PlayStation Plus program, um, so if you want to play this this Battle Royale game, it's going to be free to play. Um, it doesn't look... I mean, it, look, look, here's the thing. The visuals look really good, right? It looks like a really good visual game. And if this was like a single player or even like a MMO style kind of game where you play with your friends, I think that would work so well with this art style. But instead, it's a battle royale where you beat people up with different characters and you steal their gear and you try to be the last one standing. And yes, there are still like mini quests to do while you're doing these things, but it just doesn't speak to me when the main concept is Battle Royale, you know? If 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 it was a, a standard single-player co-op MMO-type game, RPG-type game, that would be a lot better to me personally. Of course, I'm not a game developer, so, you know, it looks like they're just chasing a trend with this game, and it could have started out as something different originally because these character models are really detailed and the environments are really detailed, the fact that they changed it to a battle royale, or you know, allegedly changed it to a battle royale, it just doesn't make sense to me. So, uh, look forward to that in August. Also, Lost Judgment is coming out, which is the sequel to 2018 or 2019's Judgment game. Uh, Judgment was actually released recently on the PlayStation 5, which led me to believe that the game was recently released. Uh, but I do have it, and I want to play that. And this looks like a continuation of the Yakuza franchise. As you know, it's made by the same people. It just isn't in the same universe, I guess. Although it's... I mean, it's very similar in, like, tone and stuff like that. There's serious moments, but then there's also, like, these wacky moments where you're playing, like, a dance, dance revolution game, and you're pressing the buttons to the beat and stuff like that. But they also showed that, you know, you're going to be doing, like, investigations and stuff like that in this one. I don't really know what happened in the, in the original Judgment game, but uh, I definitely want to play that before this game come out, and they revealed that it is going to be coming out uh, later this year in September. So September... Uh, 24th is going to be when that game, when this game comes out. Um, and they also showed that there's going to be a dog, a Shiba Inu. Uh, he'll be a companion to you, I think. Um, so it looks like it's going to be more of like a detective action game. Um, it still has the combat that you know and love from Yakuza, uh, but maybe there's a little bit different of a charm to it. I'm not sure. i got to play Judgment, and I have Yakuza 0 on my list of games to play. Someone... Um, one in the spin the wheel thing and they won the pick the next game option and what do you know they picked Yakuza 0 so I'm excited to play that and I might also play this game 
sooner rather than later, just so if I really do enjoy the Yakuza, the Yakuza style, I'll be able to play Lost Judgment this year. Um, yeah, it's, it's a bit of a... I mean, it's not like a gamble for me. I mean, it looks like a fun action fighting game with goofy elements, which I think I'm going to really love. But I don't want to have too high of expectations because I'm not a huge fan of JRPG and stuff like that. And I know this is not like a your usual JRPG type thing. It's, it's definitely more action oriented than most of these. But I will have to find out. I've not really seen much Yakuza gameplay other than trailers and small snippets from people playing them. And what I've seen I thought was fine and I thought I would enjoy. I'm going to get to it. Don't worry. I'm getting to it. Um, they also showed off a game called Demon Slayer. Uh... I just fell asleep during that part. I apologize. I don't really know what this game is about. It looks like you fight yokai or whatever they're called. Demons. Obviously, Demon Slayer. You're fighting demons with a few different characters. Uh, not my not my shtick. Not my thing. Uh, they also showed off a game called Arcadegeddon, which is a new multiplayer shooter, hero shooter type thing. Um, it's available on PS5 and PS4 Early Access, so you can play like the beta version of the game if you want to. Um, it was inspired by the Muppets, the Gorillas, and 90s punk rock, and it has a mix of player, uh, PvP and PvE, and in addition, you'll also be running and gunning and taking part in mini-games, various challenges, and ever-changing biomes. So, it sounds kind of interesting. Uh, like I said, it's available for PlayStation 5 Early Access for about $20, and the proper launch is going to come in 2022. I don't think I'm going to play this one until it actually officially gets released, or at all, so... I'm just kind of burnt out on hero shooters, you know, Overwatch and that, and those games came out and they kind of fizzled out now. There's still companies trying to pick it up, like with that uh, game that came out um, on Xbox. So what was it called? It was by the same developers as Hellblade. I forget. I, yeah, it, it was so bad. I don't even remember the name of it. I apologize to the people who worked on it. You obviously worked very hard on that. It was just not that good. I apologize. All right. Uh, one of my favorite things from this was a trailer for Fist. Uh, Forged in, sh in Shadow Torch. <laughs> um, this is that game with the rabbit, and he has this me mechanical arm. It's like a 2D fighting game. It looks really fun. It's coming out the 7th of September, and um, it's been in development apparently for quite some time. Uh, it's going to release later this year for $30, which, you know, it is a bit of a high price tag for what I think this game's going to actually be worth, but I'm still excited for it. It's, uh, if you're, if you're, uh, subscribed to PlayStation Plus, you have a 10% discount on it. Whoop-de-doo. The trailer didn't show off anything, like, new or, I mean, it was interesting, and I still love the style and how I love this, like, character design and stuff like that. It just, it didn't show really much about the game. It just, I mean, it showed a few snippets of gameplay and some of the world design. But other than that, they haven't really shown too much on it. And I think they really need to do, like, a proper gameplay trailer for this game to get people really interested in it. I'm, of course, going to buy it, but I don't know about other people. And finally, uh, this game called Tribes of Midgard, uh, they showed off the new game this is a new game coming out on the 27th of july and they told us that season one is going to be called the wolf saga whatever that means another game that i'm not really interested in it's another game that's like a top-down hero brawler type thing um it's 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 got mmo vibes and stuff like that but it's just it's one of those games that I, you know i'm just not that interested in but if you are interested in it it comes the 27th of july there you go okay that was all from the state of play like i said all in all i enjoyed it 
Uh, I think most of the stuff in there was good. I just wish that they had showed a little bit more of Fist off, and I, I could have done without the, you know, the JRPG game, and that, I mean, one of the first games they showed off was that Heroes of Midgar, or whatever it was called, and it's like, oh, you're gonna start the show with this stuff, but it was, it was good in the long run. I like the death, the death loop stuff, um, and, uh, yeah, I'm excited to see what they're gonna do. Uh, for the next state of play, you know, maybe they'll do a God of War one, or maybe they'll do another one similar to this, or maybe it'll be something completely different that we don't even know about yet. Alright, so interesting news in the Assassin's Creed universe. Uh, Ubisoft has confirmed that they're working on a game codenamed Assassin's Creed Infinity, and it's supposed to be coming in 2024. It's an online game based around seasons and stuff like GTA 5 and Fortnite, which is kind of concerning to me personally. I have been a big fan of Assassin's Creed for a while. I know it's a... I know it has its criticisms, and I accept those criticisms, and I agree with some of those criticisms, like how the trailing missions are annoying, and you know, the climbing is a little bit janky in a lot of the games. But other than that, it's a very... I mean, it's a very fun series to play through. And the new games, they've done so much to make these worlds, like, big and bombastic. And, you know, there's those there's fan-favorite games littered throughout this entire series that people always talk about and reference to. And they came out in a statement and said, Rather than continuing to pass the baton from game to game... Game to game, we profoundly believe this is an opportunity for one of Ubisoft's most beloved franchises to evolve in a more integrated and collaborative manner that's less centered in on studios and more focused on talent and leadership, no matter where they are within Ubisoft. So the two studios, uh, Montreal and Quebec, are going to be working together on this one. Um, I'm I'm just I'm I'm a little weary about this because. I like the games that are centered around the character, right? And you go through this story with them. And unless they hit hard reset on the lore and stuff like that, I don't know what they're going to do. I mean, I don't know what this is. Is it going to be like you can jump around from timeline to timeline playing as different characters in an online setting? I just don't know how that's going to work. It just doesn't seem like an Assassin's Creed type thing to me. And these latest games, I mean, they've strayed away from the usual Assassin's Creed formula, which has obviously helped them. I mean, Valhalla and Odyssey are the two best-selling games in the Assassin's Creed series, and for good reason. They're big, they have a lot to do in them, the stories are pretty rich. I wish the side missions in Odyssey were a little bit less boring, but that's besides the point. They're two very well-done games, and... They give you the option of choice and stuff like that that a lot of the other ones don't have. And even though I love the original games in the series, I mean, I'm even a fan of Syndicate myself. I don't think this is the direction that they should go with Infinity. And maybe I'll eat my words and in a few years we'll get a big reveal and it'll be something really cool. But for right now, I'm just a little bit uh, put back by this. I'm not, like, super into the idea of... A hundred assassins running around in a sequence and doing their own thing, you know. And in, in a game like Sea of Thieves, it works. You know, there's a bunch of different people on in pirate ships, and they're around this big map. And sometimes you won't even run into anyone, but when you do, you battle it out, or you just pass by, or you you, you collaborate with them. And I just feel like that's not a thing that Assassin's Creed is known for. Like the just even looking back to the multiplayer from Brotherhood all the way to Black Flag. You know, it was you chasing and hunting down other assassins, and even though it wasn't the best thing ever, it was still, um, it was still okay. But yeah, it's just, it's, 
I don't know what they're going to do. Are they going to, I'm thinking that my idea is that they're going to have like sequences for each character. So sequence one is going to be, you know, Ezio and and his story. You're going to play through some extra stuff there. And then sequence two is going to be Connor and he's, you're going to be doing this stuff in the revolutionary war. And, you know, sequence, uh, you know, five is, is Edward Kenway and you do some ship battling. It's like an entire ship battling. It's I don't know. It's just, it's just, it's, it's, there's a lot of ideas that you could throw into this, but then that also raises a lot of concerns for me because it's like, I love how they craft these stories. And like the SEO trilogy is one of my favorites in gaming, even though revelations is not like my favorite thing ever. It was still a good game. It had a nice story to it to kind of finish out that whole segment and also tie the game back to Assassin's Creed 1. It was really cool. Like, there was some really cool sequences in Revelations, and I, I think Brotherhood is one of my favorite ones. If it wasn't for Black Flag, I, I would never think... I would never second-guess calling it my favorite game in the series, you know? And as much as I don't like, you know, Arno and his Unity game, you know, and, and, and no matter how janky the climbing was in the syndicate with the grappling hook. You know, I still like those games and I like the, how they're centered around this character, these characters and their stories intertwine. I mean, obviously the future stuff, maybe infinity is a way to like, make sure that there's like no future stuff at all, because that seems to be the things that people complain about the most. But at this point, it's like, maybe a soft reboot of the series is what you really need. I mean, that's what I, I'm pretty, I mean, that's what they were planning on doing with origins, right? Origins was a soft reboot, right? It's called Origins, and it's set way back before even the first Assassin's Creed game. And now with Valhalla, we're kind of back around to where the first Assassin's Creed game was. And I'm like, what, are we doing another soft reboot now to do Infinity or Infinity or whatever it is? Or maybe it's just, maybe it's maybe it really is going to be the final Assassin's Creed game. And it's just going to be this online thing that, that never ends. And that's just something that I don't want, you know? With with seasons and DLC and next and and content drops and blah blah blah, it's like that's not the type of game that I want from an Assassin's Creed game, right? So I'll be talking about Assassin's Creed a little bit more later on. Um, I finished Black Flag and I also played Freedom Cry on my own time. So if you want to stick around for that, I'll be talking about those games and that'll of course link to this conversation. All right, moving on. Mortal Kombat 11 is f- officially done. Um, they're not doing any more DLC. Uh, they came out on Twitter and said NetherRealm is now focusing on the next project and after more than two years of supporting Mortal Kombat 11, DLC for the game, including characters, has come to an end. Uh, Mortal Kombat 11 has a nice roster of characters. Uh, Even though the base roster was missing a few key characters I thought were pretty important, they've added them in with, with the DLCs and a lot of people got characters that they've been waiting for for years. Like Spawn was a huge one that people wanted forever. They finally added Spawn in there. Um, you know, Mortal Kombat 11, it's, it's a good game. I haven't played it in a while, uh, but the DLC characters were uh, a pretty top tier. I mean, each each reveal had a pretty good character in the pack, and uh, the last DLC pack with the three new characters was, was it. And now they're moving on to their next thing. So whether that's going to be the next Injustice game, um, a new Mortal Kombat game, which is not as likely because they just did a Mortal Kombat. Um, it's possible also that they're working on maybe something Marvel or Star Wars related, but to me personally, that seems a little bit less likely because they've been like the DC guys for a while. But, you know, it'd be interesting to see a more brutal Marvel Marvel game or even a, a, a hack and slashing Star Wars title with lightsabers. I don't know. Yeah, I guess we'll have to wait and see on that, of course. Um, but for now, Mortal Kombat 11 is is complete is it's finished 
they aren't doing any more work on it. Maybe they'll probably be releasing updates, of course, but it seems like the DLC is done, and I'm sure it'll live on through tournaments and stuff like that, so don't worry. All right, so over the uh, July 4th weekend, um, hackers pretty much uh, ruined people's holidays in the world of Respawn Entertainment. Uh, hackers came into Titanfall 1, 2, and Apex Legends lobbies, and they bombarded the server with messages saying, Save Titanfall, in response to ongoing issues with hackers in the original game, mostly on PC. Um, while it may have been used to spread a message, the behind-the-scenes reaction at Respawn paints a different a different picture. So, Ryan K. Rigney, who is the director of communications at Respawn, spoke uh, about the matter on uh, a website called The Gamer, and he published an article in reference to the uh, the events that happened that weekend. Um, so, the title of the of the article was called "Congrats, Titanfall Hackers! You made a bunch of devs work on a Sunday," which obviously is true. He had to come into the office on July Fourth and work. Uh, he's he's quoted as saying, nobody wants to hear devs complain about when DDoS attacks are still a problem we haven't solved, but this article is right. I was holding my newborn nephew when I found out about the Apex hack. I had to, I had to hand him back, go to work, and miss out on a day with the family. Uh, he also said, Sunday's attacks were tied to an awareness campaign that we actually already publicly acknowledged. And this was weeks ago. Um, he They said... We're running parallel efforts to attract. Uh, 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 we're running parallel. This is the best Ferris 64 episode ever, right now, currently. Yummy. Stop stumbling on your words. We're running parallel efforts to address attacks on Titanfall. We know it's been a big problem, and our team won't stop working until it's solved across our games. Um, and then they also commented on another person's tweet they said we're aware of a new wave of ddos attacks affecting the titanfall games and the team is investigating that was all the way in uh may 20th now a lot of these games have outdated you know anti-hacker software and stuff like that and it gets harder to fix and patch around that kind of stuff and he even came out on twitter and said the team has never stopped working on ddos solutions and anti-cheat is just a never-ending war of whackable on the ddos front we will solve this when we do i promise you it won't be because of hackers made us aware by ruining the holiday they achieved nothing of value so yeah pretty much uh, all these hackers did to try and bring awareness to the problems in titanfall was to uh, spoil a holiday weekend for plenty and plenty of working, hardworking developers. Look, let's all be honest here. Titanfall 1 was not the best game ever, right? It was a fun game, sure, and I enjoyed it. Uh, Titanfall 2 was much better, but I don't think that they're, I don't think they're going hand, head over heels to try and solve problems with this game while Apex Legends is still one of the biggest battle royales out there rivaling Fortnite, right? Um... So, I don't know. I don't know why people are so butthurt about this. I mean, obviously, it's it's a developer, and they're working on it. And, you know, just like with Chivalry 2, like, I, I'm getting disconnected from Chivalry 2 all the time. But I know the developers are working on it. I'm not going to go into the game and, and hack it and, and force messages and blah, blah, blah. It just doesn't make any sense to do that. And I feel bad for them because, obviously, developers are overworked as it is. And just having to go back and try and work on... This kind of stuff doesn't sound fun, especially on a holiday. And I will bring that up many times because I hate working on holidays. I used to work on holidays back in a retirement home. It was not fun. 
A bit of sad news here. Um, The dog that played dog meat in Fallout 4 unfortunately has passed away. Uh, He was... um, I don't know how old he was, but obviously uh, he won like best dog at an awards show, you know, in a video game, best dog in a video game. He was a a beloved companion by all of us. I think everyone here uh, had, had dog meat following us around for for almost the entirety of Fallout 4 in some cases. Um, but Xbox came out and said uh, the dog's name was River. It was a it was a she. Uh, River meant so many things to so many different people who played Fallout. Thank you for bringing such a wonderful companion into our lives. That was in response to the owner's uh, goodbye tweet. And then also after that, they they retweeted and quote, they quote tweeted, I should say, and said, Dog Meat Forever, in honor of River, Xbox and Bethesda Studios are donating $10,000 to the Montgomery County Humane Society. And if you want to join in donating, you can click the link there, which is a very nice gesture. Um, it's a sad story, you know. Fallout 4 was was really um, it was a flawed game, but it was a fun game, and dog meat was always there for you. I remember turning around and always seeing dog meat just just trotting behind you. Um, sad story, but it is nice that Xbox and Bethesda have come together to donate money to this organization that's local to the area where where River was, and. Um, yeah, if you want to go to the Twitter thread, um, they have a the, the person who own, who was the owner of the dog had this huge Twitter thread, um, and uh, his at is Joel Burgess, B U R G E S S, and there's a big long Twitter thread uh, talking about you know how they adopted the the dog and um, life before and after and during the development of the game. Um, so it's a really nice read, and if you want to read that, uh, just you know, go to his at and check it out there. All right, in a bit of different news, it's hard to transition from stuff like that, but I didn't want to end with the sad stuff again. Um, there is a physical and collector's edition of Among Us coming out, and I believe they're already available to order. So, yeah, Among Us is now physical. You can actually buy it on shelves. I don't know... Uh, let's see, it's, it, it comes with a base game with DLC, a 3D lentai color case, okay, cool beans, so it's coming out on Switch, PlayStation 4, 5, and Xbox, and you can pick them up now, apparently, um, there are three, three different collector's editions for this game, okay, so stick with me with this one. The Crewmate Edition. This comes with six downloadable PC and phone wallpapers. One of 12 special special Mira HQ holographic access cards. You get the game, of course, plus a folded map poster uh, of the, the Skeld, which is a map on the game. And then you also get Imposter Syndrome sticker set, which is a bunch of different stickers. Uh, the next one comes with all that plus... A crewmate, uh, it's called the Imposter Edition, comes with a crewmate versus imposter lanyard, a purple crewmate plushie wearing a crown, a spinning into space enamel pin spinner, and a limited edition imposter edition box. And finally, the ejected edition comes with all of that and a crewmate fleece blanket, a red imposter beanie, and a limited edition ejected uh, collectible tin box for the game so there you go pretty big addition that's going to cost you 90 dollars, and the other ones uh 50 and 30 for the other ones 
in reverse order. Um, so, yeah, uh, if you like it Among Us that much, you can get these collector's editions now, I believe. And they're available for all the different platforms. Every single collector's edition can can be, uh, you know, Switch, Xbox, PlayStation, doesn't matter. Um, I don't, I mean, is Among Us still as popular as it was? No. And I think this stuff might have taken a little bit too long to get out there, you know. It's unfortunate, but true, I think. Um... Yeah, I don't. I I mean, people are still talking about it in like meme culture, which is kind of cringe of me to say, but it's it's true. I mean, it's pretty much just memed now at this point. Uh, people still play it, obviously. Lots of people still play it. It's still a pretty cheap, relatively cheap game. They've given it out for free on multiple places. It's pretty much on every single platform now. Um, but you know, I think the charm of the game has kind of worn off by now. And until there's a big major update, I don't think we're gonna hear too much about people talking or playing it. But Still, this is, I mean, that's a cool addition. You know, the, the I think the $50 one is probably the best value for your money. But if you really want that blanket, <laughs> shell out the extra $30. All right, y'all know I have to talk about Hot Wheels Unleashed when something new comes out. But this is pretty big. They detailed the track builder, which looks really insane. I had a smile on my face while watching this guy build tracks. Uh, there was a little trailer uh, or um, uh, a little uh, walkthrough on the YouTube channel called Milestone Team. And essentially he showed off how the track can be morphed and turned however you want. The only limitation is the starting line, pretty much. So, um, yeah, I mean, so it's not like you have like a turn. Like, think about Roller Coaster Tycoon back in the day, right? And you had these pieces that were specifically turns or twists or S-bends or loop-de-loops. Um, even though you still have some of those, like the loop-de-loops and stuff like that, the bends and stuff like that is all controlled by you with the joystick. So you can make it long, you know, the piece longer or smaller, go up, down, left, right, twist it, anything that you want to do, and it you can morph it all with your controller. It's really an actually a really interesting video. It looks really cool. You can also make what's called invisible tracks, which are tracks that don't appear in the game when you're racing on them, but it allows you to you know, drive on the ground, or, you know, they reference the skate park where you can drive on the alley-oop, you know, or whatever, the, 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 uh, the, the skate bar, you can actually drive around the skate park on the ground with little cones to mark the direction, and, um, they also said that, you know, just to make sure that you can finish the, finish the track, you have to do a, a, a test loop around the track with a specific vehicle in order to make sure that every single vehicle can, uh, get through the track, essentially, um, and then they also detailed that, yes, you will be able to share your tracks online and also download tracks yourselves uh, from the community. And you can also create time trials and races and stuff like that with it as well. And I'm really excited. I mean, come on. I'm really excited for this game. You guys know it. I've talked about it so much now. It just it looks so much fun. And, and every time they show off a trailer, they show off like a different vehicle or a different group of vehicles. And uh, during this one, there's like a tank car that they showed just like crashing and i was like i had that you know i actually audibly said i had that <laughs> yeah yeah I, I had that tank um so yeah i'm i'm excited for this even more now as you know so the different track pieces there's like a boost track uh, electrical track there's a track that is magnetic so you can go upside down there's a bunch of different pieces that are famous in the uh, hot wheels community with you know the dinosaur head the spider um, there's like this iron golem dude that I remember back in the day, you know, it, it seems like they really, 
really put a lot of thought and care into this, and I'm I'm really excited for it. You know, it, it looks like the track builder is going to be something that I'm going to use, and uh, I hope that uh, there's. I mean, obviously the possibilities are are practically endless with this. Well, I mean not endless, but you know, close to it. And I think that people are going to be able to do a lot of cool and interesting things with this. So um, just as a reminder, this game comes out September 30th. Uh, so if you want to check that out, make sure you do. I already have it pre-ordered myself on the PS5. I can't wait. What the Golf is getting a huge up uh, uh, update, which is launching a week early. Uh, apparently, I don't know when it was originally supposed to launch, but now it's launching a week early. Um, it's coming. The update is coming. Oh, it was already. Wait, it's being released. I don't understand. I don't know. Anyway, the update for what the golf is going to include 120 new levels with two new areas themed around snow and the Olympics. And there's going to be lots of jokes, plus a new challenge mode for people who are actually good at golf, which includes harder versions of the game's levels, plus a few new ones. Also fixes and optimizations, of course. So if you want to check that out, whenever that comes out, uh, let me let me let me quickly skim this here. What the golf? I mean, I guess it's already out now. I don't know. It's weird because the article was like, oh, it's supposed to release before before Metroid. I don't know. Hmm. Anyway, check that out if you want. This is the best episode of Fair 64 ever. You can't you can't do this, Yemi. You can't do this. All right. All right. We're back on track here. Remember the game Naughty Bear where you go around and kill stuffed animals, specifically stuffed animal bears. Well, he is making a cameo in Dead by Daylight. Uh, if you enter in the code, was it piece of cake? Piece of cake. You will get a free, uh, two free keychains. One of them is, of course, a cake with candles, and the other one is the Naughty Bear himself, filled with candy. And it actually is Naughty Bear. It actually looks like Naughty Bear, so it definitely is Naughty Bear. So if you want to do that, um, you can go in and enter in that redeemed code piece of cake to unlock the rewards. And if you if you input the name or the code relax, you'll also get 500,000 crowns. Um, oh, wait. No, that was wrong. You only need to collect 500,000 crowns, not 2 million. Uh, for the next challenge. Okay, all right. I, I read that wrong. It's my bad. This is the best episode of Ferris D4 yet. Yeah, I mean, you can't. You can't do that. I apologize. I, I, I misread. I apologize. Uh, if you don't recall, Naughty Bear really reviewed poorly. Um, and a lot of people just kind of looked it over. Um, it's available on PS3 if you want to check it out. I was thinking of actually... I, a while ago, I was thinking of buying this game. And I totally forgot. And this reminded me. Um, it's a game that, uh, you know, it's, it's pretty brutal. You know, it, you know, the bear actually, I mean, he, he kills these stuffed animals. So it's, you know, he is a naughty bear. Um, if you don't remember, it's, it was like there was different levels you had to do and you had to find different ways of dismantling these bears and, you know, they would call for help and whatever. And I don't know. It was just kind of like a stupid game. You know, <laughs> what can you say? This one is for fellow Sonic Colors Ultimate. They've detailed some improvements that are coming to the game. Here are the here are the, you know, the the ones that were highlighted. HD visual improvements. So you have 60 FPS, revamped lighting, improved graphics, and 4K resolution. There will be a new rival rush mode. You will go head-to-head -head with Metal Sonic to unlock new rewards. 
Park to tokens and customizations. You'll head to the store and use park tokens to unlock unique boosts, auras, shoes, and gloves for Sonic. The Jade Ghost. You can transform Sonic and fly around and pass through solid objects to reach hidden areas. Customizable controls. You'll be able to customize your control layout that, that best suits your play style. Tails save. Find a Tails save and be taken back to safety if you need to be rescued. A hundred count ring. Collect a hundred count ring to gain temporarily invincibility and boost your score after each level. And finally, the music has been fully remixed to set to set the pace while you put an end to Dr. Eggman's evil plan. Um, so yeah, uh, some good improvements there, of course. And on the official Sonic the Hedgehog YouTube channel, they did a side-by-side -side comparison of the games, if you want to check that out. And they also detailed the new improvements as well. This game was originally released on the Wii back in 2010, so it definitely needed some improvements to the visual style. And it does look pretty good, all things considered. So yeah, check that out if you want. And finally, in the news today, Animal Crossing New Horizons is getting an official Monopoly-based game. It's been officially revealed it's going to be coming in August for about $25. You can officially pre-order it right now if you want to. Um, so, the game is going to include 4 character tokens, 4 skill cards, 35 decoration cards, 14 chance cards, 14 nook mile cards, 160 resource chips, 45, 45 bell coins... 54 bell coins, 40 player markers, numbered die, a nook cranny die, and a label sheet and game rules. Um, it sounds a little bit different than regular Monopoly. Let's read the press release here. In this Animal Crossing edition Monopoly game, kids and adults can enjoy island life and immerse themselves in a colorful and creative world of Animal Crossing New Horizons. After your first trip around the board, you choose a skill card with the ability, uh, with an ability... This is the best episode of Fair 64, Yemi. Stop stumbling over your words. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You choose a skill card with an ability you can use throughout the game. Moving around the board with a custom token inspired by the video game. You complete island tasks and meet other characters. Instead of buying properties or paying rent, you collect bugs, fish, fossils, and fruit. You can also stop at Nook's Cranny and cash in bells to buy decorations. These decorations are worth Nook Miles, and the player with the most Nook Miles wins the game. So it sounds like a different spin on the Monopoly format, of course. Um, so yeah, if I look, I'm going to describe the game board here. You know, obviously it looks square like a Monopoly board. There's still a go-to-jail option and the free parking space as well. But instead of properties... There are, you know, the fossil and apple, butterfly, um, and fish all across the board, almost in like the same style as, you know, the um, the regular board themselves. And the character models that that come with the game, the little the little character tokens, look pretty good. They look pretty well designed. Um, obviously, this is a render, so I, I can't really judge for sure. Um, the coins, the tokens might be like little cardboard things, though, so that might be a little cheaper, but. I mean, it's Hasbro. They usually do pretty good with this stuff. You know, it's not like a knockoff company. Um, I'm not sure how the chance cards and stuff like that are going to factor in. I can't really see. The cards are a little bit too small for me to see because I'm old. But, yeah, you know, it doesn't, uh, you know, this will be good for any Animal Crossing fan in your life. Or if you yourself as an Animal Crossing fan, well, here you go. Monopoly. Less stressful Monopoly, hopefully. <laughs> Maybe not. Maybe we'll still see people flipping tables over. I don't know. I'm just, uh, I'm not even a fan of Animal Crossing, honestly. Anywho, let's get to the what the what games I've been play, playing this past week, alright? Here we go. We're going into the, the second part of the podcast here. This is still the best episode of Ferris 64 yet. 
Don't don't let me down, voice. All right. So the first game I want to talk about today is Space Jam: A New Legacy, the game. Uh, you can get this for free on the Xbox Game Pass. You can get it early on Xbox Game Pass as well by uh, getting a download code, or not a download code, but a code that un- unlocks the game early. <sighs> you know, uh, it wasn't that good. <laughs> surprise, surprise! The game was kind of boring. There was no real combat system. So it's essentially, it's a 2D brawler, kind of in the same vein of like Battletoads, you know, where... You know, it's side-scrolling, you beat up a group of enemies, and you move on. Kind of like, the, you know, the old Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle games and stuff like that. And you can play as either Bugs Bunny, Lola Bunny, or LeBron James. And each character, you know, they have a few different, you know, kind of move styles in there, but they all pretty much feel the same. And there's no real combo system in the game. You know, in a game like this, I really want... You know, I really want, like, a, a nice combo system that keeps things going, flowing pretty well, but... Other than a jump attack and a standard attack that can be that can be like you know pressed four times in a row for a, for an extra move at the end of it all, it was really a very basic fighting style. You had a basketball that you could charge up and throw at enemies too, which you know helped a little bit here and there. And I mostly used it to cheese the bosses in the game because the basketball did tons of damage even on the hard mode. Um, it was just like it just was not that great of a game and. If I had to purchase this game, I'd be very disappointed. It's very short. It only had about four chapters to it. Um, and it just didn't really have, like, the ch- the charm that I was hoping for in in a game like this. That was my phone. For some reason, it told me that a friend of mine came in line. I don't know why. Anyway, so Space Jam, A New Legacy, the game, uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a pass for me. Um, I, I probably won't even think about it again after this uh maybe it'll be like a mention for like my least favorite games of the year at the end of the year um like i said it was just it was just very it was boring there was no voice acting in it at all it was all just reading text and even though that's that's fine you know i'm not complaining too much it's still like you know you have the actors and you have lebron james you might as well have him record a few lines for this game i mean there was barely anything in it there there was there was two there was three boss fights and that includes the final boss fight in the game and the rest of it was just moseying along biting fighting a group of enemies and moving on and there's like these there's there's different enemies enemies throughout the game like you have a basic enemy you have a more you know you know uh uh tougher enemies and stuff like that there was one enemy type that was like a flamethrower dude and i was like that guy was like overpowered as fuck like getting getting those flamethrower dudes was like a kiss of death sometimes with how much how they have a really big range on them and they have like a grenade that they can shoot out of their back that that homes to you it's like oh my gosh you know, I, I, you know, funny though, the funny thing is, it wasn't really that hard. You know, even though the flamethrower guys were annoying, like I beat this game on hard mode and I barely had any problems. I think I, I think I had a game over once throughout the entire game on hard mode. And, um, yeah, it was just, it was just kind of like a, a boring experience. I played the game three times for some reason and on my third playthrough, I'm, I was like, what am I doing? <laughs> I was just, I was trying to earn all the special cards in the game. And in order to do that, you got to do special things during gameplay. Then you also have to um, do a boss rush mode, which was completely unfair. They give you one life and one health mar and you don't, they don't give you any health between boss fights. And it's like, okay, whatever, man. But that's besides the point. 
Um, the cards in the game, they have like special abilities. So they'll, they'll call upon a Looney Tune to help you out. So if you use the one with Tasmanian Devil on it, he comes out and spins around on, on the screen and knocks out a bunch of characters at once. If you choose a uh, grandma, she puts health onto the field, uh, for you to pick up. Tweety Bird gives you extra damage. Wild E. Coyote poisons the battlefield. Um, there were a few other ones that I, that I forgot. And there was also some that I didn't unlock at all because, you know, I, you had to do ba- boss rush mode. And I was just, I was not about to do boss rush mode. I'm going to be honest with you. That was too annoying. I would get to the end boss. And of course I would have no health by the time because the other bosses, they hit you a lot and you only have one life and one health bar. It's annoying. Anyway, that's all I got to say about that. If you want to score out of 10, maybe a two, maybe a three, if I'm feeling generous, it's just, it's just not worth your time. I mean, the game took me like 10 minutes to get through. You know, and I, I, I mean, is it good for kids? I don't know. Babies first, you know, side-scrolling beat-em-up? <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, that's all I got to say about that. In other related news, because that was Xbox Game Pass, other Xbox Game Pass here. Dark Alliance, the, D- the Dungeons & Dragons game I talked about, I think, last episode. I decided to quit. I'm done. It's too boring. I, I don't, I, you know, I was kind of, you know, relatively enjoying it at first, but then I realized just how monotonous and repetitive the game is. It's just not a fun game. And the, you know, I was, I was, I was barely getting any good loot, even on like my, even on higher difficulty levels, I was barely getting any loot that was better than what I had. And I was just getting frustrated and bored with the game. And I said, you know what? I'm not going to waste my time with this. I wanted to finish it just so it wasn't on my backlog, but each each level has three different chapters in them, and the chapters were just so stale and boring, and the combat was just so boring and slow, and I would rather play War in the North again before this game. Like, I will I will tell you that right now. And, you know, it's it, I, I still stand by. This game feels like a, you know, 2013 game. It just feels old. It just it doesn't feel crisp, and the controls don't feel that great, you know? So, Dungeons and Dragons, Dark Alliance, uh, it's a pass for me. I think, I mean, all in all, I'd probably give it like a 4 out of 10 at this point, which is generous, all things considered, but, you know, whatever. Also, I finished a game on Game Pass, of all places, called Backbone. Uh, This is a 2D pixel graphic game. It's like a detective story, but not really. It's more of like a visual novel type thing where you walk around and talk to people. You know, I liked the game style and I enjoyed the characters in the game and I thought it was going one direction, but it went totally left field on you. And I, I don't know, the, some, the game was just a little bit too short for what they were trying to do. They would, you know, one act would be a bunch of detective stuff and there was a really fun puzzle at the beginning of the first act. And I was like, wow, this is going to be a really cool game if they keep up with this, but the rest of the game was more or less just talking to people, doing very, very light puzzle solving just by talking to people. And in the end, I just, I felt a little bit, um, you know, I felt a little bit dissatisfied with the game, even though I enjoyed the, the, you know, the, the, the pixel graphics and the environments and the, and the world building and the characters, I just didn't feel like I had played, um, a full game. You know, I felt like the game was, it kind of felt rushed in some areas because, the end of Act 2 would come up, and it would completely change gears and go to something different. And then by the end of Act 3, it would be it would completely change gears and go something somewhere else that you weren't expecting. And 
the ch- the acts got really really fast once the game started going and like act three was like and through five or six or whatever shortest acts i've ever played in the game like it was literally like one area with maybe one sub area and then that would be it and i was like ah i was just a little i was i was a little disappointed and it, like it has potential right I don't think they're going to do a Backbone 2, and if they do, I don't know if I'd actually play it, but the, the developer has potential, and I, you know, I think that it's, um, an easy, it's an easy enough, or easygoing enough experience, I just, I wouldn't recommend it to people hardcore, you know, I, you know, if you, if you like these style of games, and you're okay with it being more of like a, a visual novel, uh, rather than anything else, um, you know, go for it. You know, even though there are choices in dialogue, most of them just kind of end with the same, the same instance. It doesn't really affect the game really at all, in my honest opinion. From what I can tell, of course, but, you know, it's, it's just kind of unfortunate. And I would give Backbone a 5 out of 10. You know, I, I, I wish that I could give it a higher rating, but I just, I can't. You know, it just, uh, it was just not my favorite thing ever, you know, honestly. So let's talk about the meat and bones of what I've played last week or this past week, and that is Assassin's Creed 4 Black Flag. We finally finished it. I had a good time with it. Uh, my real big complaint is that the story is a lot shorter than I remember it being. Pretty much some of these segments are just one or two ch- acts, you know, sections, you know, parts long. So by the end of the game, after you, you know, because I did a lot of stuff before even like the fifth sequence in this game. And I was practically done with it, so I was just kind of, like, blitzing through the story mode, and I was like, huh, sequence four was, or, you know, five was really short. Or, you know, like, sequence six was, like, one segment long, and I was like, what the heck? And by the time you get to the end of the game, it's like, wow, that went by a lot faster than I thought it was going to, right? Because for the first, like, six, seven streams of the game, I was doing, like, side content alongside maybe one main mission per stream or whatever. And once I got done with all the side content, you know, I found all the Mayan steelays and I did all the sunken ships and went to every location and I just had to do a little bit of cleanup afterwards. The story went by so fast. I was like, wow, I thought I was going to have to do another stream, but apparently it was only another hour long of story with, with two or three segments left of the, of the game. And I was, uh, that just kind of disappoints me a little bit, you know? All in all, it's still a really good experience, and if you haven't played the game, it's still a really good experience. The story is actually pretty good, all things considered. Um, the freak, the the climbing is a little bit weird. It it definitely doesn't work as well as, I mean, as much as I don't like Unity, it doesn't work as good as Unity. Unity is probably one of the the better of the free running games, but um, you know, it kind of you know, four and three kind of had the same style of free running. Same thing with uh, Rogue too. So it's not the best, but it works. Um, the stealth sections were fun. There were way too many trailing missions. Well, no, I apologize. I'm thinking of a different uh, of something I want to say later. It had a good variety in the missions, but there was one mission in general that I just I didn't like at all, and that's the one where you're like in a ship and you're like doing like a stealth mission in a ship, and it's just kind of weird. I don't know, um, but it is a it's still a really good game. I would definitely give it like an eight out of ten, honestly. Um, if it wasn't for how short the the story eventually gets. And if it wasn't for like the you know the the future world stuff where you're hacking computers, and if it wasn't for the wonkiness of the free running, it would probably be a little bit higher. Um, it still deserves the game of the year, in my opinion, from the year it came out. I would still I would still say that for sure. Um, but in a in a you know I played through the game again. I did a lot more than I was planning to, 
with the game. Um, you know, I was I was not planning on doing as much of the 100% as I did, and eventually I did finish a, a lot of the other side things that I didn't do on stream. Like, I finished up the Assassin's Contracts and the Templar Hunts, which were things that I just, you know, they were a little bit repetitive, and I didn't want to do them on stream anymore. You know, once I got those done, I mean, it was really, I mean, really, I only had the legendary ships to beat after that, and then I had the game pretty much 100% besides from the collectibles, which are a pain in the ass. You know, you can 100% each location, but there's still animus fragments and random chests hidden around on the main, you know, on the main map, and they're just, it's just so annoying to go and get all those. I've done it, I did it once, I don't feel like doing it again, okay? I'm gonna be honest with you guys. But, um, yeah, all in all, it's still a good playthrough. If you like the ship battling stuff from 3, you're going to love it in this game. And uh, if you like it in this game, you're going to love it in Rogue. Um, but, yeah, you know, uh, good game. Really, really enjoy it still to this day. So, cool beans there. I also played Freedom Cry, and this is where I wanted to say what I said before. Freedom Cry is the standalone add-on DLC with Adwali as the main character. It takes place like 30-some years after the events of Black Flag. And Adwali is shipwrecked, and he helps in liberating tons of slaves from French-occupied areas in the Caribbean. Um, the game just had way too many trailing and eavesdrop missions. It was it was it was pretty much every single mission in this game. You had to you had to trail someone or you had to eavesdrop on someone. Even a lot of the side content as well was just based on following someone around. The main meat and bones of the game was good. You know, of this of the side game was good. But the main missions and stuff like that were really lacking in my opinion. And it was just not as well done as I would have hoped, as I remembered back in the day when playing it originally. I still like liberating the plantations. I still love doing the ship battling stuff. Even though Adwali's ship is not as powerful as the Jackdaw, you know, once you upgrade it all the way, you can at least take down uh, as many ships as you want. The funny thing is, this game goes by really fast, almost like the original Black Flag game. The funny thing is, you're not supposed to be able to defeat a man of war so early in the game. They give you this task of of liberating this one plantation that's guarded by a level like 36 man of war. And they're like, well, you know, spend some time, go around and visit other places. No, I wouldn't write, I went straight for the man of war with an unupgraded ship and I beat it. That's not me flexing or anything like that, but it's just like, I beat the game so quickly because I didn't, I mean, I had all these skills from Black Flag, so it's like... Just take it out, and then I liberate the plantation, and I did the final mission. The game is just, it's really weird how the game is structured. There are some times where you have to stop and, you know, work on some of the side things in order to progress in the main story, like rescuing 300 slaves or taking down a plantation here or there, but the game doesn't take you to many locations at all. The game literally has you in the same location for, I would say, 90% of the main campaign. There are actually zero main missions that are not specifically at the one port that you end up in after the shipwreck. And it's just kind of unfortunate because Ed Wally as a character was really cool in Black Flag. And he still is a cool character. And in this game, they give him like these really badass weapons. Like you have the machete. You have the blunderbuss. You have uh, firecrackers. You know, you, you have all this cool these cool things. And in order to get better versions of these weapons, you have to find them in the open world. Kind of like the treasure maps from the original game. So... You know, there are good things happening in this, but the main presentation of it, the main story, the main meat and bones that's going to keep you playing is just not done as well as I would have liked. And the fact that most of the missions are trailing missions and lazily done eavesdropping missions brings the game, brings the standalone game down in my opinion. So all in all, I mean, if I gave Assassin's Creed Black Flag an 8, I would give Freedom Cry a 5. That's just how, that's just how different in quality they are. So that's that. 
And then finally, I know Callus has been waiting for this for a while. My thoughts on Freedom Fighters, which is a game that Callus chose after he won the contest in the Discord. He originally had chose New Lucky's Tale, but then he switched over to Freedom Fighters because all of a sudden he randomly had this big overflowing of love for Freedom Fighters. Now, Freedom Fighters is an old, I think it's PS2 era game. It's definitely a PS2 era game. Where you play as Chris, and he goes from being a plumber to being the leader of the resistance movement once the communist Russian government invades America. Specifically, New York. Where's the U.S. Army? I don't know. Where's the police force other than the first mission in the game? I don't know. It's all just resistance fighters now. America uh, sat down and said, take over, Russian daddy. And that's that's it. Uh, so throughout the game, you're liberating uh, areas of the uh, of New York or whatever, um, and you're taking over these areas and raising the American flag over overhead, and that's where the missions end. And once you take over each area, then you move on to the next one. Um, I just I wasn't a huge fan of this game. Uh, the auto reload was really annoying. Um, there wasn't, there wasn't, there's not like a quick save option. There's like no quick saves in the game. You have to like open up a sewer grate in order to save your game, which I mean, it's fine in, in, but you know, I, it's kind of annoying when you go through like an entire level and go, ah, oh, fuck, I forgot to, you know, open a sewer grate to save. And there's only a select few on the map. So there could only be one on the map, which you originally come out of. And you could just not think about saving for the entire level. And then when you, after 30 minutes of playing, you die at the end of the, and, 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 and at the end of the level, and you just randomly go back to the beginning, and you're like, ah, fuck. You know, it's happened to me a few times. It was kind of annoying. The last area you do is supposed to be like this big beach invasion, but it's, you know, or, you know, ice invasion because it's snowing out. And they have you, they don't, they, you lose the C4. So they're like, oh, you need to go back to the headquarters, or you need to go to this area that has C4 in it. And it's like, that doesn't make any sense to me. Because the whole point of this mission was like this big beach invasion and you take over the beach and then you move on. It's like I, I compared it to D-Day and I was like, well, what if they were like, OK, so you're at Normandy at home, Omaha Beach and you're being slaughtered and you go inside a grate and you're like, OK, um, we're just going to skip over the Berlin and come back to this later. Like <laughs> it just it doesn't make any sense. You know, uh, we're going to go liberate Paris and then we'll come back to Omaha Beach. It just doesn't make sense. You know, I don't know why they designed it like that. I don't know. Uh, all in all, I just didn't really have a good time with it. Um, I, I don't I don't really have any more thoughts other than that. I think that there's a lot of plot points in this game that are just kind of ridiculous. You know, like the fact that the U.S. Army didn't even do anything. The fact that they were able to take over southern, um, uh, the south of the USA first. And like, I think, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a stereotype, but it's true. I mean, everyone in the south has weapons on them, you know, at least in their houses, at least. So them, the Russian army moving in and taking over the South is a little bit less um, less realistic than anything else in this entire game. But that's besides the point. One of the bigger plot things was like, you know, Chris's brother is like captured like three times. The lead, the other leader of the resistance, Isabella, is captured like two times in this game. And it's like, all right. And then eventually, you know, the the guy, the other guy who's in charge, I don't even remember his name. 
he turns out to be the general of the Russian army in disguise, and he, like, completely changes his voice, completely changes his clothes. There's no discernible feature about the guy except for the fact that he has white hair and he covers it up with a hat. So when he originally did his big, you know, his big switcheroo, I didn't even know it was him. I just thought the general of the Russian army had found them. And I was like, wait, what? No, it's not. It's that guy from the beginning of the game who gives you uh, your first pistol. I I don't know. It, that definitely needed to be fleshed out a little bit more. Um, luckily, though, the game was pretty short. It went by pretty fast after we after, after under, understood the save system in the game. But I just was not a huge fan of it. I apologize, but I just was not a huge fan of it. And all in all, I'd probably give it like a... I don't know, like a 4 out of out of 10. Uh, it, it's definitely going into the Diaz and Dog tier once I update it. Um, I, I, I have no regrets about that. It just it was a, it was just not an enjoyable experience for me. Um, if you want to watch the, the VODs on my Twitch channel, go ahead. You know, they're available wherever. Um, and eventually they'll be on my Yummy the Ferret VOD channel on YouTube if you want to follow that for that stuff. But yeah, I think that's going to do it for today. I think we covered all our bases. I hope you enjoyed the best episode of Ferris 64 yet. <laughs> Hopefully next week will be better. Um, but uh, I appreciate you listening on whatever platform you're listening on. Um, if you want to follow me on Twitch, that's twitch.tv slash the ferret. That's where I'll be playing all, that's where I play most of my, my games, uh, that are, you know, that I talk about here. Um, if you want to follow me on YouTube, TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, it's all at Yemi the Ferret. You know, it's Yemi the Ferret on all those different platforms. If you want to check out my other podcast I do called Film Freaks with a Z, uh, we talk about movies on that, on that podcast. The last episode was about, um, Get Out. Get Out by uh, Jordan Peele. And the next episode is going to be about uh, Live, Die, Repeat slash Edge of Tomorrow with Tom Cruise. So it should be a good a good conversation there. And that'll come out next weekend. Uh, but yeah, I hope to see you guys next episode next week. I hope you have a great rest of your week, rest, great rest of your day, a great coming week. I will, I will talk to you guys next episode. Uh, I don't have anything else I want to say, but thank you for listening. I'm here with the fair, and I am out of here. Bye bye.